I think that we pray about the fact that there are times where the majority of the group, their position will not reconcile, necessarily reconcile with our own position. That we should always have the opportunity in any group conscience meeting to have another say as part of the minority. So we vote 25 to 1. The one person is asked if they wish to speak, and we have our say. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you are all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12-step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. That was the voice of Mr. The One and Only, Mr. Jimmy D, that you heard at the beginning of this episode. And you are going to hear so much more from him in just a moment, but first things first, this episode is being brought to you by Julie and Trudy, and Kate, and David, and Marie, and Michelle. What, you may ask, did Julie, and Trudy, and Kate, and David, and Marie, and Michelle do? Well, they went to our website, www.soberspeak.com, clicked on the little yellow donate tab, and they made a, a contribution. So thank you so much again, Julie and Trudy and Kate and David and Marie and Michelle. This here episode is coming right out to Ewan's. Let's get right on into Mr. Jimmy D. We have not talked about the traditions in quite some time, so we have Jimmy D. back at the mic talking about Tradition 2 of Alcoholics Anonymous. And just in case you don't know what Tradition 2 is, let me read it to you. It is for our group purpose. There is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience, our leaders of a trusted servants, they do not govern. So we talk about many things here on the episode, but mainly uh, these are a few of the main points. We talk about the fundamental difference between going to Alcoholics Anonymous and being in Alcoholics Anonymous. We talk about apathy and indifference within the rooms of AA. Jimmy talks about what the healthy thing to do is if we have differing opinions in Alcoholics Anonymous. And I know that you know 
<laughs> if you've been around for any length of time, that we do indeed have differing opinions in Alcoholics Anonymous. And that was the clip, actually, that you heard at the beginning of this episode. And Jimmy's going to dive into that a little bit further. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Mr. Jimmy D. Enjoy the episode, and we will have plenty of listener feedback at the end. Enjoy. Okay, everybody. So we are sitting here again. Uno mas tiempo. (laughs) (laughs) With Mr. Jimmy D. Jimmy D, will you please go ahead, introduce yourself, give your sobriety date if you wish, and tell people where you live. And you can tell them what your home group is too. Sure. Hey, everybody. I'm Jimmy D. I'm alcoholic. Been sober since August the 25th of 1997 member of AA and a member in good standing of the Chicago group in Dallas, Texas. Good standing. <laughs> well, I say that. Yeah. I mean, there are no other <laughs> AA members from Chicago within earshot. So <laughs> what do you say? I've got the podium now and I say I'm in good standing. <laughs> you know, uh, you want you want reader engagement? I mean, our listener engagement. That's a good way to get some listener engagement. <laughs> That's right. I uh, I talked about this on one of the recent episodes, but uh, speaking of membership and all that stuff, there's a, a friend of mine, Chad, at uh, Chad S at the Frisco Group, and he talks about how when we get the holiday season here, that. Uh, it is a the this is our best time for the membership drive. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Always around uh around holidays or or pre pre or post holidays. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Excuse me. All right. So um last time that we got together, basically we we just spent a lot of time talking about well, we meandered quite a bit, but we were talking about the tradition one, uh, the uh, our common welfare should come first, personal recovery depends upon AA unity. And so this time we wanted to get back uh, together and address um, tradition two. And so we're just going to see where we get in these traditions. We'll start here with two. And uh, Tradition 2 says, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. So I, I guess there's two or three different pieces to that tradition. But what are your first thoughts when you think about Tradition 2? By the way, I, I, I've, I've heard that the... I guess the what what would you call it the principle behind that is leadership. Yes. Um, but talk about that a little bit. So it is you know there there there's nobody you know there's nobody running AA, and uh, and you know when uh, when we when we I would say when we avail ourselves of the opportunity to to serve, uh, let's just say at the at, at the group level. Uh, which oftentimes is, you know, you go to the bathroom and you come back and you've been elected to something, right? <laughs> uh, which is fine. We don't right. really care how you, you know, f- came to find yourself in the position, just that you're willing to serve. 
right? So that's why we say, you know, we stand in AA. We stand for a position. We don't run for a position. We stand and say we're willing to serve. Yeah, I've never heard that before. I like that. And, you know, generally speaking, it's not like... um well, you, you know, you could put your name down on a piece of paper or whatever, say, I'm interested in this position, but I've never heard about it. Yeah, you don't really run for a position. It's not like politics. No, I, I think I think sometimes people run from <laughs> right. the opportunity, uh, yeah. and maybe that is, uh, a, a, let's say, a, 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 a lack of attention to the second tradition from those who are doing the trusting. We'll say that again. There are two sides to the second tradition. There's There are those who are doing the serving and the majority of us that are doing the trusting. Hmm. We've delegated responsibilities to whatever position it is. You know, when, when uh, chairperson of an AA meeting, hmm. somewhat casual approach in a lot of instances, uh, you know, who will be the chairperson of the meeting, but for that particular meeting, that's our chosen trusted servant for that meeting. Yeah. And that person is serving the group, the the higher authority. And uh, and so, you know, the 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 format, how how we've agreed that the meeting will proceed, vitally important for the trusted servant to follow the format. Because the format has come from the higher authority. I may agree or disagree with a particular portion of the format. Uh, for example, it would it would be unusual in, in, in my home group experience to read the promises. If I was just maybe the person with the most time in some other home group, and I saw in the format that you invite an AA member to read the promises, it's not in my purview to skip that because I don't have experience with them. It's very interesting because, you know, you, we, we talked about this the last time we got together and talking about tradition one and the fact that, uh, there is a, uh, a new preamble. Uh, well, there's just really a couple words change, right? It, it changed from, uh, besides men and women, it went to people, um, or change the wording to people as opposed to men and women. And what I've noticed in our group lately, because we talked about this, is that the, the group as a whole elected to go with the terminology people or the term people as opposed to men and women. But I noticed that when some people get up there to read it, to kind of buck the system, if you will, they fall back on the men and women. And, and, and I've, I find that interesting. And as far as I'm concerned, if that's what the group decided, that's what we should do. And we all have an opportunity as members of a home group in Alcoholics Anonymous. There, there, are, there are times, mutually agreed upon times, where that is our opportunity some would say our obligation to speak either in the majority or the minority decisions aren't made in perpetuity in Alcoholics Anonymous I mean we are we are those who can you know uh, not really good form to revisit it or rehash it in its first 30 days of existence but to have an item revisited for example the preamble the conference it's 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 unusual. 
Since 1951, the first year of the conference, it is unusual to have two years back-to-back to have the same agenda item discussed again. But the preamble will be discussed again because many members of the fellowship have expressed that they don't believe that that was as informed a conscience as it could be. And so the conference, obviously, it's not going to happen until April, but on the conference agenda, potentially, is an item to revisit the decision about the wording change in the preamble. Not necessarily to change it back, but just to discuss uh, the results of that change, how it's impacted AA. Has it been beneficial to Alcoholics Anonymous? Has it perhaps not been as beneficial as we would expect that it would be? Um, Has it positively impacted us from the standpoint of the potential AA member who maybe was put off by the wording of the preamble? Uh, there was, there were some public information aspects, I think behind that change. You can consider that my opinion. I mean, I sat in the conference and I listened to the discussion and you know, if, if, if we're asked by something that is outside of AA, what is AA? That paragraph is what we have agreed the, is the is the concise definition of Alcoholics Anonymous. And where is that located again? That's on AA.org? AA.org. And do you know what section it's under? Under what? Like, because AA.org is a big website. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, you mean the actual... Yeah, okay, so when you talk about what is AA? What is AA? I mean, I'm just saying if, you know, if, if a question if a question came in, let's say from the Wall Street Journal... Right. What is Alcoholics Anonymous? Our, uh, the simplest and most concise answer to that is a recitation of the preamble. Right. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship ah, of people uh, okay. or men and women, right? right? We could just provide a copy of the preamble. Okay, I, I see yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, and right. say, you know, this is AA, right? I mean, this is what we've, we've agreed is the, is, the, is the makeup of the membership, uh, this is, uh, this is the charge of the membership. I mean, this is what we've agreed is our, is our single purpose. And, uh, and so, you know, the, the, the preamble gets, uh, gets a lot of airtime, right? So when we talk about, you know, trusted servants and, and respecting the group conscience, uh, what do old timers say? My best ideas got me into AA. <laughs> and so that, you know, that first tradition talking about common welfare, I should respect that there is, you know, there's a time and a place in Alcoholics Anonymous in order to engage in that discussion. But, uh, but my, uh, my, you know, tongue in cheek rebellion, uh, at least from a recovery perspective, is probably not uh, the best example of the principles that are embodied in AA. Right. Okay, so for our group purpose, there's one ultimate authority. How do you? How does that work? I, I mean, I, I've wondered this many times. Okay, how is that working? I know that we pray. Right. And I know that we all, well, I shouldn't say all, um, many of us look to our creator, 
uh, as that group authority. And I think that's what's been right. In fact, it says it's a loving God as he expresses himself in our group conscience. So how do you see that actually playing out on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis in Alcoholics Anonymous. Have you thought about that? I think that, uh, you know, we believe in in more than adequate debate and discussion without fear of reprisal. That w- So ex- explain that, without fear of reprisal. That, because- that, you know, we can say in a, let's just say, quote-unquote, in a regular AA meeting, most of the time we 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 ask that we are absent of crosstalk what we call crosstalk which means sharing at the person who has shared something previously in the business meeting that's almost sacrosanct <laughs> right <laughs> because i can express my certainly i'm free to express my experience and or my opinion uh and should have opportunity to do so without any uh, potential as feeling like that 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 you know my position is diminished or uh i don't have as much sobriety as some other person or Mm -hmm. uh maybe i have little or no experience but you know part of our process especially with that uh always asking for the position of the minority and i've been in that minority right i've been in the minority in the conference uh, I've been in votes that were 132 to one and I was the <laughs> one and it was important. It was important, maybe not for, for the, the decision-making process, but it was important for my trust of the process to be asked if I wanted to speak to my position and to not have anybody cat call or groan or, you know, it's just, it's just not how we treat each other in AA. It's just not how we treat each other in AA. Now, I'm not saying that we're all, you know, lambs and bunnies, flowing white robes, <laughs> sitting around because because we're passionate. But being passionate about the subject matter is radically different from being punitive about someone who's expressing what they believe to be what's best for the group. Those are two radically different things. Yeah, you know, that, that crosstalk thing. I think about that about, you know, well, first of all, I'm sure that I have said things in meetings, or, or, or a couple of things that cringe about what I have said in meetings when I was, you know, at certain points of my sobriety, and I really believe them. Um, and I would never say them now. And then I also think about how people, I'm sure, have disagreed with me. And then, you know, I hear people say things in meetings, and... You know, I I don't agree. Disagree, I don't agree with them, but it's not like it's my job, if you will, to stand up in that meeting and say, "No, this is how it is," right? And and we and we respect each other in that way, right? Right. And so, because we are a composite, or we're the sum of these, you know, vastly disparate points of view. Uh, it's why that some of those other traditions become so important that when we're when we, you know when we're gathered together in meetings of alcoholics anonymous we're we're uh it, it it's suggested that we don't have discussions about outside topics topics that are outside the subject of recovery 
you may think it's fine to be married and not know what I consider to be the definition of the commitment of marriage. Uh, and so that's an outside component. Mm. Uh, and so we, you know, we suggest that the healthiest AA meetings are those that are geared towards recovery. Uh, and there have been things that have been shared in AA meetings, certainly, and will be continue to be shared in AA meetings. Uh, we have one-offs, certainly, but if it if it becomes something that is a, that is a pattern, you'll find that um, the group is uh, less than healthy. That it begins to impact the group. I know we talked about this a little bit on the last. Time, the last time we got together. Well, hold on. Let me do a little break here real quick, and I'm going to continue on, all right? We will be continuing our conversation with Jimmy D in just a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to Sober Speak. You can find us on the worldwide interweb at SoberSpeak.com. There you will find uh, approximately another, approximately, I don't know, 130 or so episodes you can listen to for free. You can also find the donate button on our website. You can use if and only if the spirit moves you. Please keep in mind, this is a podcast funded by you, the listener. SoberSpeak is a self-supporting organization through our own contributions. All right, uh, now back to Jimmy D. So uh, the last line in there says, and uh, in, in you touched about this uh, on our last episode, but I still want to cover it. And that is, our leaders are but trusted servants; they do not govern. So, talk about that a little bit again, if you would, please. So, you know, first thing that I think is, you know, it's just a bit of AA trivia, but it's interesting. So, these are the, you know, we're we're reading the short form of the traditions. So know that the short form of the second tradition is longer than the long form of the second tradition. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the only one that's that way because we felt it important to add our leaders of but trusted servants they do not govern. That did not exist in the original form of the second tradition. So okay, no go. I I know that there is the the discrepancy between the long form and the short form, and a lot of heavy hitters looked at that and decided this was going to be the long form, which is shorter. But how did that occur again? Well, I think that by you know when Bill's hand was in all of that, of course, right. So when the when the short form okay. was produced, which is you know snackable, yeah. the snackable form of the traditions was introduced. Um, that second tradition had that appendage, our leaders are but trusted servants, they do not govern. Perhaps we had learned by then that, you know, that uh, people don't drive by mandate in AA, it never works, they lead by example. Okay, so they came up with a snackable form, and then they wrote the long form of the second tradition, but it was shorter. I don't understand. Well, the original form of the tradition. So the traditions that were adopted in 1950 were what we would call the long form. Ah. So if you look in the back of the big book, right, the 12 traditions long form, in the second tradition, it stops before the sentence 
are leaders of but trusted servants they do not govern. Okay, so the snackable form was created after, after. the long form. Right. And, they and I don't know all the details or the history about exactly what year, you know, the, the traditions were introduced in the articles in the grapevine in the, what, 46 or 47. Mm-hmm. And then Bill went on really kind of a campaign and accepted invitations to speak at a lot of different places. Uh, because he was really trying to put the hard sell on the traditions. And, you know, the fellowship, again, you know, said, Bill, we invited you to come tell your story. <laughs> we don't want to hear about all of that, right? And uh, and so by the time the traditions were adopted in 19... And they were unanimously adopted in 1950 in Cleveland. But then shortly thereafter, we adopted this window shade form right or the short form of the traditions the snackable the snackable form, like the that. snackable form so our leaders but trusted servants they do not govern means there's you know there are no acts of government in aa right we are the we are the least organized society so there's no hierarchy in alcoholics anonymous but we do grow leadership we absolutely depend it's vital to have and grow leadership in Alcoholics Anonymous. So yeah, are, are we absent rules? Yes. But do we have generally accepted parameters that we know help to support our mission? Yes. Yes, absolutely we do. And, uh, and those tend to, the, when, when those principles are followed, by consciences of home groups, those home groups tend to be more effective in fulfilling their mission. So I, I've I've heard this before, and I, I I do not agree with it. Well, let me tell you what I do agree with. I think Alcoholics Anonymous is in good hands. What I mean by that is that, you know, I've heard before, well, you know, these younger folks coming up, you know, they're not going to be able to abide by the traditions and it's all going off the rails. But that's not what I see happening from my perspective. I would love to get your take on that. Mm, I don't think it has anything to do with any particular demographic in AA. I think I think what might help us is to quit creating more overhead and do the best that we can with what we have. Okay, what do you mean by overhead? Meetings are ah. a perfect example of that. Unless a group claims two, three, four hundred active members, to think about having 40, 50, 60 meetings a week is unconscionable. It can't be supported. It's just too much overhead. Okay, so let me, and just playing devil's advocate here, the, but the more meetings that you have uh, in terms of helping the GSO and, you know, the dollar being put in the basket and all that sort of stuff, doesn't it help to kind of, uh, you know, prop us up to where we have some additional resources? I'm just throwing this out there. Right. No, no, no. And I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with that, but we would, we would probably certainly agree i think we would agree that the purpose of the aa meeting is not to pass a basket i mean that's not part of its Uh, that's not part of its purpose right and uh and so you know uh i'm not saying that that the meeting in and of itself i'm just saying to look at 
okay, so if we if we do create it, then then are we also giving ourselves ample opportunity to grow additional leadership in order to support it? Gotcha. So uh, I, I'm trying to kind of I'm I'm this is going through my head as we're right. talking here. So so you in your in your opinion meetings like in other words we can get really sucked up into meetings and not enough about service work and think about what we can do for it. Not even so much about service work as it is again in there's a fundamental difference between going to AA and being in AA. Okay, what is that? Those are two completely different things. Yeah. Uh going to AA indicates that my program is somehow organized around some material construct. I went to AA from six to seven. Gotcha. I, I'm, I, I'm a member of Alcoholics Anonymous, which happened to include a regular Thursday night commitment to sit in an AA meeting to make myself available to others from six to seven. Those are two radically different statements. I'm with you. I, you know, I work the steps absent the AA meeting. The AA meeting has never, in my experience, nor in the experience of those that I've had the opportunity to sponsor, the AA meeting has not been a component that has been necessary for successful completion of the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. Okay, so, and you hear, and I'm sure you... Oh, yes, it's a huge topic. Meeting makers make it... To more meetings. Right. So, talk to me about what you think when they say meeting makers make it. Well, I don't necessarily think that. I, I again, it's it seems that my my recovery is a sum of its parts, and maybe I've jumped off into you know the deep end, and and again, not not meant in any way to be offensive, but a meeting connection in and of itself to Alcoholics Anonymous is a tenuous connection to Alcoholics Anonymous. If that's all you're doing. If that's all you're doing is attending a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, that, in my experience, does not indicate something that is what Dr. Bob would term the bank account. Mm -hmm. It's not an investment in recovery. Attending Attending an AA meeting in and of itself... Most most of the time in our part of the landscape, uh, a person who is a, a you know a a multiple meeting a week person is showing up two minutes before it starts and leaving in five minutes up to five minutes after it's over, and that is not engaging in what the group is doing. Don't put their name on the whiteboard to chair said meeting, whatever it happens to be, will will uh, disavow any ownership of any meeting in which they do not attend. Well, I'm not worried about what happens at 7 because I don't go at 7. Mm-hmm. But it's my home group. 
So if, you know, if newcomer women are feeling uncomfortable at seven, I have ownership in that. That's part of the group conscience. What are we willing to do? What are we willing to do in order to make sure that Alcoholics Anonymous is a safe place for anyone who wishes to recover? The mantle of responsibility falls on anyone who says, I'm a card-carrying member of this group. Now, we know many places it, you, you, couldn't, you couldn't keep a job, have a family, and attend all the meetings. You couldn't keep your sanity, probably, and attend all the meetings, right? Mm-hmm. But being aware of consistency in what we're offering, there have been many examples, you know, not trying to be, again, not trying to, to be pessimistic about it, but there are, there are uh, there's, it takes autonomy to a brand new level. The format is the format. It's the format of the group. It doesn't mean that the AM people can do what they want, the noon people can do what they want, the night people can do what they want. That's not a group conscience effort. It's not supportive of the group conscience. It's not supportive of what the group has has asked to do. Uh, plus, I think we've we've somehow a lot of times we've uh, we've brought the group into business that the group doesn't have any business in. If you and I want to have a book study, we don't have to get our home groups involved in supporting that book study. Mm-hmm. Let's figure that out. Mm-hmm. We can have it wherever we want to have it. We can have it at first watch. We can have breakfast with each other, or we can go to dinner somewhere, or we can meet in the cafeteria, or we can meet at your house or my house or whatever we decide to do. We can list it within a group if we want to. We can just have it by invitation only, which means it's not an AA group because we're inviting people to come. But we've always felt like that somehow we needed to. There are, Our AA history is rife with examples where there'll be a component or a contingent of membership that'll come in and bring to the group conscience. You know, third shift people, they really need a meeting at you know, 5 a.m. on Thursday. Mm. And then six months later, they're all either drunk or moved. And it takes us 900 years to do anything about the 5 a.m. Thursday meeting that's on the schedule, (laughs) right? Right. Doors are locked, lights are off, and every home group member is responsible for that locked door. Every home group member is responsible when somebody just grabs the daily reflections because the chairperson didn't show up. And I'm not saying that the daily reflections for that day is not going to offer ample substance, but chairing the AA meeting requires leadership. That particular day will be the man or woman in the meeting who is sorely unhappy about being there for one reason or another. And hearing two minutes from that person can undo the recovery of everybody in the room. And it's the chairperson's responsibility to do what they can to make sure that we leave with more in our cup than we had when we came. That's the responsibility solely of the chairperson and those AA members who are gathered together to help support that trusted servant. We lose sight of that. We sit in our chairs when somebody is angry and belligerent 
and sometimes dangerous and expect that the chairperson in and of themselves without support is somehow going to take care of that. And that's not being a fellowship. That's not being a good AA member. Think about the, some of the discussions that we've had uh, that we had at the beginning of return to in person. These groups that really were going to uh, observe generally uh, observe mandates, social distancing. How many chairs can we get in the room? Let's just say twenty. Huge discussions about what would happen when the twenty-first person approached the room. Well, if we've got 20 people in the room that have more than 15 minutes of sobriety and they claim membership in that group, every single one of us should be ready to offer our seat mm -hmm. to somebody we don't know. If I need to sit in that room that night, that's my problem. That's not my group's problem. If I'm waiting to hear somebody say something that I feel like will really turn a corner for me, I've been in trouble for a long time mm -hmm. and that meeting's not going to fix that. So that mindset of, of the meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, the end all be all, I'm not really sure uh, where it's, where it began to be elevated to the level of predominance that it seems to occupy at this particular juncture in our history but based on our results, based on our recovery stats and what we know, it's not doing us any good. It's not helping us. Gotcha. We don't have more people getting and staying sober than we had 40 years ago. And so there, you know, I'm not saying that that math can even be done. I'm not saying that there's necessarily any connection. We have less members and more meetings than we've ever had in the history of Alcoholics Anonymous. I see. I see. That's a very good point. All right, so let's take this tradition and kind of wrap a bow around it with the time we have left here. How does this... There's The clock runs faster <laughs> in this room. <laughs> Don't you think? Even that, even that old radio clock on the floor is running faster. We were, uh, in fact, I remember her name is Kim P. She was telling her story up at our uh, group one night, and I'll never forget it. I was there, and it was one of these clocks that is set to the magnetic whatever oh, yeah. in the universe or whatever and it was just it was going along then all of a sudden it just started spinning like crazy and i thought what is going on here and she was like watching it during her talk and it was it kind of freaked her out but nonetheless some of those groups will have uh clocks on, you know it's just one long skinny room old west davis did you ever go to west davis we I talked about oak so. cliff offline earlier yeah 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 west davis was in an old theater off West Davis. Oh, okay. And it's long gone. I think I was the last step speaker that they had. I, I, I might have worried about that, except the group it was on triage. It wasn't like I could shut it down, <laughs> right? But uh, they had two clocks on either end of the room. Long, skinny room, kind of like glass house, right? But not nearly as, no no natural light, Yeah. right? And that chairperson in the meeting, every time you go over there, he'd say, there's a clock on the wall behind me, 
and there's a clock in front of me, and nobody saved after nine o'clock, which meant you better shut up because we're done at nine, right? So yeah. yeah. All right. So to put a bow on this one, tradition two, which is basically about leadership, it says for our group purpose. There is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. What, I mean, what what kind of parting thoughts do you want to leave about that? I think that we pray about the fact that there are, there are times where the majority of the group will not, their, their position will not reconcile, necessarily reconcile with our own position that we should always have the opportunity in any group conscience meeting to have another say as part of the minority. So we vote 25 to one. The one person is asked if they wish to speak and we have our say. And if nobody decides to change their vote, in other words, if it doesn't reverse and go a different direction, then part of that second tradition is that we support the de- and trust the decision that was made by our fellows, whatever that decision happens to be. That makes sense. And in order to take the leadership roles, probably one of the one of the the biggest negative influences on the second tradition is, uh, you know, ug- they're ugly words, but I'll use them: apathy and indifference. Because we have this incestuous rotation in groups. In other words, I was the treasurer two years ago, and I'll be the treasurer again because no one else appears to be willing to stand for treasurer. And part of that is there's a fear factor and some degree of intimidation, right? I'm not qualified. But there are no qualifications, right? There's one qualification to be an AA member, and that same qualification entitles entitles every AA member to serve in any capacity, in absolutely any capacity. I have no special skill set of any kind to hold a position as trustee on the General Service Board of Alcoholics Anonymous. I signed legal documents when I became a trustee. But I, absent the fact that I'm not under current indictment, <laughs> which would be a legal flaw, I, I didn't bring any skill set whatsoever except that over a period of years, I said yes when AA asked me to do something. Absolutely anyone in Alcoholics Anonymous can serve in any capacity. But in order for that to happen, we cultivate that leadership. We say, you know what, you you really are an effective communicator. Have you ever thought about public information? And the person goes, I haven't thought about it because I don't even know what that is. <laughs> right. And so we spend five or ten minutes talking a little bit about what public information, how how it impacts Alcoholics Anonymous, right? Or treatment center meeting. You take some people along with you when you're taking a meeting to the treatment center, uh, and so you're engaging them. They're learning a little bit more about how it works. Um, the night watch, intergroup phones. 
how would you ever expect anybody from your home group to serve on the intergroup board if they have no idea how the phone gets answered by our service office locally after five o'clock in the afternoon? That was my first exposure to Alcoholics Anonymous, by the way. Some gentleman answering the phone and saying the only requirement for membership is a desire to quit drinking. That's the only thing I remembered about that conversation. And you know, right now, go figure, offline, not part of the podcast, but you would make a hell of a trustee on the Dallas Intergroup Board of Trustees. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, well, we'll talk. They just elected for this year, so you got a year to pray about it. Okay, thank you. But I'll be calling you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I knew I shouldn't have done this podcast today. If, you're, if your sobriety sourced in Intergroup, oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Anyway, conversation for another okay, day. Okay, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, I did want to, and you did say that a podcast were they were they're doing like a podcast for the grapevine now, right? For a grapevine. It's yeah. I don't know how many episodes they've got in the yeah. can, but several. I saw that, and you know the fellows that have been engaged. To I know kind of, of be, them. Yes, right. to be the. Uh, MCs, yeah, I guess, the host, for lack of a right? term, the host, mm-hmm. which is, you know, again, not not new technology, but new to AA, mm-hmm. and uh, and the correct. general service office has embarked on its own, uh, let's say, podcast. You know, they're they're sharing with the two corporations are not mutually exclusive, but Grapevine, you know, has its focus on the magazine. Mm-hmm. You know, it's turning out new product every thirty days, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so it's it's a little more nimble in its approach and its thought, a little more current. Mm-hmm. AAWS, which is the General Service Office, that's the corporation that I serve as chair. Uh, we just recently, at the end of October, heard uh, the beta, let's say the beta podcast mm-hmm. uh, for AWS. And uh, and it, it, it needed a little smoothing out. It had some rough edges on it. You should hear the first 10, 15 that sure, I did. I sure. Mean, you know, it just takes time. N- not so much about content, but, you know, when you talked about how you're going to append, you know, prepend and append, right, what your, what your buffers are like. And it's, it, it, it's kind of a, it's an interesting dynamic. When you think about this is the general service office of AA, right? And so, you know, literally down the hall in the archives, is a repository of so much audio material, not 10 minutes of Bill. Right. But think about if we were just sitting around saying, we're going to start this uh, new podcast effort, right? Um, And we're, you know, when you think about, and I'm not a podcaster, right? But I I think about the ones that I listen to. And like, for example, what what you've been able to produce and, you know, you have these, let's say, recurring segments or you have little you might have a little five or ten minute piece. That's just something that your listeners always know is going to be part of that that hour that you'd have a lead in from Bill, some audio from Bill. Yeah. Right. We have hundreds, if not thousands of hours of tape. Right. Right. Of audio of Bill. And we didn't have a single, you wouldn't even have known Bill was ever involved, right? <laughs> and I'm not saying it needs to be archival in nature. Had a really good sponsor sponsee interchange about, you know, uh, one of the, uh, 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 I want to say a pandemic baby, right? An AA baby. 
An AA baby who got sober during the pandemic, who had never been in a physical AA meeting. And so a discussion, and, and you know, it's, this is not out in the worldwide web at this point, but, but, but the genesis or the, 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 the focus of the discussion was getting sober in a virtual landscape, right? What that looked like, the sponsor coming from. You know, I think generationally about you're sober a lot longer than me, but I'm I'm 24 years in the deal. And, you know, I got sober in phone book time. Right. Right. With a landline. Right. Right. And I mean, though, you know, the the dynamic of that, how that looked is radically different from, you know, these people that got sponsored that got sober in the last 10 years and certainly people that got sober in the last 18 months. Yeah, no kidding. Right. And, uh, and so, yes, the, the, so Grapevine, if you get on aagrapevine.org, on the main homepage is a link up top for podcasts. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I really hope that your listeners will uh, avail themselves of that and also give, um, uh, you know, some uh, uh, either some props to Grapevine, maybe suggestions to Grapevine, mm-hmm. uh, because it's a, you know, it's a, it's a new adventure. Yeah, I should put the link, if I can remember, and let me write it down here, uh, I, I'll put the, the link to that particular podcast sure. in the show notes for this. Nice, very nice. And that way people can just go in there and they can click on it and listen to it. Yeah. Yeah, and I listened to a few episodes. I thought they, they do a good job. It's a uh, Sam and... Uh, I can't think of the two guys' names, yeah, but yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you knew them, and yeah, I knew yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know them. They they used to do a podcast. Uh, Buddy C actually introduced me to them, or you know, um, turned me on to them. And that is, they did a, something called. Uh, oh, here it is. Uh, they used to do the um, the Boiled Owl podcast. And if you go to www.aagrapevine.org forward slash podcast. It's there, but like I said, I'll try to put this in the uh, the show notes. So, but I think it's definitely worth checking out. Awesome, Jimmy D. <laughs> as always, God, another another it. hour of your life you'll never get back. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want it back though. And uh, you know, this is uh, oh, I just I just love spending time with you. I love you as a person. I love you as a. A, a, uh, an, an AA, I'm, your heart is so into this organization that we both love and revere and honor, and you give back so much, and I'm, I'm just so appreciative. I thank you, and, I, and, and, and just real quick, and I know we don't have you know, closing thoughts, but, but I would ask that n- nothing that, especially was shared in this particular episode, Absolutely no pessimism involved in any of that. No criticism of any kind involved in that. Care and concern for the future and the well-being of Alcoholics Anonymous. I get it. Uh, not in a patronizing way. Not in a my way is right. I know. I mean, I, I just don't want to leave. That That would be an unpalatable feeling to leave this, this exchange with anyone thinking that uh, it was from some uh tone of uh here's what's better right because obviously it all works beautifully it all works beautifully but we're challenged with looking at ways especially now 
where we can be so much more effective and we can be so much more effective. So right. thank you for letting me say that. Thank you. Oh yeah. No, I'm glad you did. I didn't take it that way and I doubt the listeners will either, but it's a good little disclaimer to put out there. All right. So I am going to, as I always do, open the book, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous that is, and read from page 164. It says, abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then, once again, Mr. Jimmy D., thank you for coming by. Thank you, John. Really enjoyed it. Thanks. Don't you just love listening to Jimmy D? His voice, I, I don't, there's something about it that mesmerizes me. And uh, just listening to, listening to him spin a yarn, tell a story, uh, tell a tale, uh, he is just absolutely fantastic. I've had a lot of you in the past uh, ask me to have Jimmy D back, and we have. I don't have him scheduled anytime in the near future, but I'm going to try to get him back for additional traditions here uh, throughout the year. If you enjoyed that, and who would not have enjoyed that? And you think that that episode could somehow benefit another family member or a friend, please pause your device and share that with them. It may be just what they need today. Remember, we don't want you sharing your gossip, but we would love for you to share this episode with another individual. Now on to some listener feedback. Patty DMs direct messages me on la instagram and she says john oh my gosh i just finished listening to kdp part two i heard part one a while back and all of a sudden remember oh shoot what happened to part two well i have a 40 minute commute to work so i heard it on the way to work and finished it on the way back home oh my god i was crying in the car when katie says joe relapsed I was so heartbroken. Katie is an amazing speaker, and I enjoyed her. Thank you so much for this amazing podcast, John. Well, thank you, uh, uh, Patty. Appreciate that, and you're right. KDP is absolutely fantastic. In fact, I think we have a couple here. Elizabeth DMs on Instagram, and she says, Katie P. Oh, she actually posted this. She says, Katie P., you rock. I loved both episodes with Katie P., John M. Thanks for sharing. Big praying hands. Well, thank you, Katie. Or excuse me, Elizabeth. And thank you, Katie, as well. But thanks for posting that, Elizabeth. And then PJ sends out a direct message on the Instagram. By the way, if you're new to the program and you're wondering, how do I find that Instagram feed? Uh, you would go to Instagram and search for uh, at SoberSpeak, all one word, S-O-B-E-R-S-P-E-A-K, at SoberSpeak, all one word, and uh, you can find us there. So anyway, uh, uh, PJ... Uh, 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 sends in a message actually on Instagram and she says, John, I found your podcast in jail 
for my, uh, when I was serving for my uh, second DUI in a year, and I've been struggling with addiction for about 10 years. I'm only 27, and your podcast has helped me while I was in jail greatly and made me realize that I need to do this life sober. Gosh, that makes my day, PJ. And for anybody uh, who is out there uh, listening to this and you are incarcerated, uh, I'm, I'm so... I feel blessed that we on this podcast uh, can be a small part of your journey. And anyway, thanks for writing that in, PJ. Um, It was so good to hear from you. Mark writes in, and the subject line is grateful to you. And he says, Dear John, it's been a while since I've written to you to say hello and to share my gratitude for your work on Sober Speak. Every Saturday, your podcast is my go-to listen during my morning walk. Hearing your voice on the intro feels like connecting with an old friend. (laughs) That's so nice. So often, you or your guests provide words of wisdom that hit home in just the right way at just the right moment. I need to hear them. Last week on the show with Matthew M., you spoke about how making, quote, the pod is your happy place, especially when things aren't going well with life, work, etc. That's true. I was thinking about that on the way over here today. Thanks, Mark. And he said, man, I can relate, except my happy place is the result of your work on Sober Speak. It's very kind, Mr. Mark. He says, over the last two years, the pressure of work and leading through the pandemic has brought more stress and anxiety than I could have ever predicted. While I have not been tempted to drink, these days have certainly made it harder to remember the blessings I have in my life, especially the love of my kids and my wife. Well put, Mr. Mark. Matthew M. uh, went on to talk about finding, quote, joy in our lives and how we are not the, quote, manager, unquote, of life. It was so good. I listened to the podcast twice. He is a wise man. Just in case you're wondering, Mark is talking about Matthew M. on episode number 230. Uh, The title of it, AA is not my life, but it is a way of life. Anyway, he said, um, keep up the exceptional work, brother. Know that your work, that, that your efforts are hitting the heads and hearts of so many around the globe. You do, in big capital letters, make a difference with gratitude. Um, and uh, he's got a big heart and a big uh, praying hands, Mark A. Mark A, how, how kind. Just, just, you know, it's stuff like that that you know, keeps me going. Really does. Um, anyway, I don't want to digress here. But anyway, Mark, thank you for writing in. Chad writes in and he says, Howdy, John M. I am writing you to tell you what an absolute joy it was to hear my feedback on the pod and to compliment you on the wonderful job you did editing my... (laughs) That's right. I remember this one. Atrociously long email. You pruned that sucker up quite nicely. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I had to print it down just a little bit there. Anyway, it says, uh, it was especially wonderful to hear it read with all of the John M. nuances that I have truly grown to appreciate, i.e., hear my home group mispronounced. <laughs> I mispronounced a lot of stuff. I guess I said Olive Hane, H-A-N-E, when it's pronounced Olive and Hain, Olive E N Hain. I don't know. I may have that right. I may have it wrong still. But anyway, I laughed so hard my coworkers could uh, probably question my sanity. It brought such joy to my heart. It absolutely made my Friday. And the kicker for me was that it was on the back end of the Rich B episode. Yes. Yeah, he likes Richard B. Uh, yeah, that's great. Anyway, he says, one of the things I really like about your podcast is that you take time to dive into the lives of some of these old timers. KDP is a great example. There's KDP's name again. He says, I feel like I've gotten to hear some things that I just wouldn't get to hear if she was a guest for a 40-minute speaker meeting. I could only imagine what it would be like to, uh, I can only imagine what it would be like to be a student on her bus. <laughs> That's right. I found that illustration of the problem of self-reliance to be not just enjoyable, but extremely, in big capital letters, insightful. I also wanted to thank you for leaving out some of the more personal details of my email and tailoring it in a way that would be most helpful to others. It was unexpectedly therapeutic for me to sum up the last three years in that email as well. Thank you for taking the time to read it. I'm now caught up on every one of your episodes, so I'm forced to taper down to one episode a week like everyone else. <laughs> Thank you again, John. Sincerely, Chad with two Ds. Yes, Chad with two Ds. And then he says, P.S. Howdy seems the only way to address a gentleman such as yourself from down in the great state of Texas. I've been trying to use that greeting more often here in Southern California. And so far, the results have been quite pleasing. Oh, that's right. There you go. Spread that howdy around. Thanks again for writing in Chad with two Ds. Betty P writes in and Betty P says... My name is John, and so why am I pausing there? Why am I pausing? The reason that I was pausing is because in my head, I started to sing this uh, this, this song by Aerosmith from a long time ago about Betty. So anyway, but I'm not going to sing it out loud. I just, so that was going on in my head, and I thought, should I sing this? Should I not sing this? Should I sing this? Should I not sing this? And I am going to give everybody a break. Nonetheless, Betty P. writes in, and she says, Hi, John M. This is Betty P., and I am 57 years old, and I am on 416 days sober. I live in a small town called Gresham in Wisconsin. I am married to an amazing man as he did not have an alcohol problem, but he could see that I could not handle it and I was out of control when I did drink. 
I have been truly blessed with my husband being there for me as I go through this journey. I also have a sister that is 16 years sober, and I call to talk to her when I'm feeling down or I just want to talk. I'm not much of a people person, so I do not go to meetings, but listening to podcasts has helped me stay on track with my sobriety. My alcoholism is in my family. And tonight at work, I was listening to a podcast where you guys were talking about being Irish and a lot of Irish drinking is what I did. I am not a social drinker. I was a binge drinker. And when I did drink, I would drink to fit in with the rest of the crowd. My second to last episode when I was drinking kind of woke me up as I had a concussion after falling down and hitting concrete. All I can say is that I'm very grateful to be sober today as I could have died or killed somebody else when I was drinking. My stepdaughter has finally realized finally realized she has an alcohol problem and also I am so proud of her for going to go to help to get help as she is in a rehab facility now. I happen to be scrolling through some apps on my phone looking for recovery radio talk shows when I, uh, and when I work at night, I listen to podcasts and they make me feel so much better by the time I get home. I feel so safe and secure with my higher power. I go to Zoom meetings right now once in a while, but I don't have a sponsor yet. Thank you so much. Well, Betty, hopefully you get the sponsor. Hopefully you get to some meetings and God bless you. Uh, Sounds like you're on the right track. Uh, Anyway, uh, keep me posted. I'd love to know more about your journey. Julie writes in and Julie says, Hi, John. I was born and raised in Southern California. I moved to Northern California in 2006. Hey, they say it never rains in California, Julie. Is is that correct? Anyway, I moved to California in 2006 when my company promoted me. On August 15th, 2021, I moved to Cheney, Washington. And on September 1st, 1920, excuse me, 2021, I was arrested for my first DUI and hit and run at 10 a.m. in the morning. I was in a company rental car heading to Western Washington for a golf tournament. It was the first big, quote, outing I would attend since moving to Washington, where I would know no one at the event which caused a tremendous amount of anxiety. On the way, I hit an RV and didn't realize it and continued to drive while wondering why the passenger airbags had deployed. Oh no. She says, a few miles up the road, I was pulled over and my life changed dramatically. Here's some background. I had worked from from home for three years and I felt very isolated and was having physical and mental health issues. In June of 2020, I married my husband. In August, I was hospitalized with gastric issues and was in and out of the hospital for several months. Due to COVID, I was not allowed to have visitors. The hospital is where I celebrated my birthday and Thanksgiving. Depression had set in, and when I returned home just before Christmas, I could not master the stairs to sleep in our bed or even shower. I had a PIC, and she put 
I'm not sure if I'm spelling that right, line in my arm where my new husband fed me nutrients at night. I slept in a hospital bed in the den alone. I'd become incontinent and wore diapers. My husband worked by day and took care of me at night. I discovered alcohol could be delivered while my husband was at work, and I began drinking during the day until I passed out. It numbed the pain, and I was it numbed the pain I was in, and it took me away from the horrible quality of life I was living. Fast forward to September first of two thousand twenty-one. What a blessing! God intervened in my life before I killed, or God for. Before I kill myself, or God forbid, someone else. The court ordered me into a treatment program, and I'm learning how to live a sober life through cognitive behavior therapy. Part of my treatment is to, t- to attend at least two AA meetings a week. Initially, I attended them via Zoom because isolation and depression are not healthy for me, and but my counselor. Oh, because isolation and depression are not healthy for me, my counselor urged me to attend at least two in-person meetings per month. The first time I stood before other alcoholics and professed, quote, I am an alcoholic was both traumatic and freeing. The journey of recovery has introduced me to sober friends and brought me closer to God, relying on Him to get me through each minute of every day. My daughter listens to various podcasts while working at home and suggested a few to me. When I pulled up Google Podcasts, Sober Speak came up as a suggestion. I looked over the list and began to binge listening a few weeks ago. I especially like the two parts with KDP, there's KDP again, and of course, Carol L., and by the way, uh, I got her and Carol L in touch with each other because Julie had some uh, questions about writing people uh, in prison, which Carol has a lot of experience with. And she, anyway, she says, God bless you for what you do to bring the world of AAers and others battling their addiction. Continues blessings, Julie V. Well, Julie V, God bless you. Continue blessings to you. Oh, um, I, I, I'm glad you're able to turn it around and get going in the right direction. That's just uh, oh, so fantastic to hear. All right, everybody. Guess what? That's a wrap. That's another week of Sober Speak. As always, I take this one step at a time and one week at a time. Until we meet again, may God bless you and keep you until then. Keep coming back. I hear it works if you work it. Bye-bye.